It's time to sit down and relax for the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A with your host, Doug. Hey there, Doug here. This week, we have an amazing interview. I was lucky enough to chat with puppeteer and voiceover artist Bruce Lenoyle. Bruce has worked on so many things that are huge parts of my childhood. We talked space invaders, dinosaurs, Muppets, Jack Frost, Theodore Rex. He was on Family Feud as a puppet, Mo Frackle. Uh, and then, of course, Looney Tunes Back in Action, which is the next sequel, and so much more. Uh, Bruce was an awesome guy, and we packed a lot in uh, in the hour that he gave me. And then I felt at the end of that hour, we really did connect. It was definitely a special interview for me, and I know you're going to love it. Here is Bruce Lenoyle. Awesome. How are you? Good. Just done? Yep. Nice to meet you. <laughs> well, this is awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. Well, sure. Uh, why not? <laughs> you get to talk about yourself. Who doesn't like to talk about themselves? <laughs> that is true. That is true. So, uh, yeah. So where does your story begin? where did you grow up? Oh, where I grow up. Oh, it was uh, uh, 1960 Brooklyn. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Bro- Brooklyn Jewish Hospital, and uh, yeah, I was uh, uh, I was born of, of Flatbush and Avenue D. Uh, you know, way back when, basically, in the black and white era for you, I would think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I grew up in New Jersey, so not too far, but oh, there you go. What what exit? What exit? Yeah, uh, off of the Turnpike. It's 10. Oh, okay. 287, it's 4. There you go. I was way out there. I was in Willingboro, New Jersey, near Cherry Hill. That's okay. where I spent my uh, grade school years. So uh, my parents got out of Brooklyn, the small apartment, then they went to New Jersey, which was like going to the moon. And then, unbelievably, my dad got a job on the West Coast. So we went to Mars, and we went to California, land of oh. fruits and nuts. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big change. You go from, you know, living in a city to, you know, basically like farmlands out there, like pencil, <laughs> pencil tucked exactly. in New Jersey and then out to the West coast. Where in California. We ended up uh, in San Fernando Valley in Woodland Hills. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got bar mitzvah out there and, uh, um, I thank my parents, uh, up and down for taking me to the West coast and, and the, you know, the edge of show business and, and all that possibility. I'm not sure it would have played out that way if I would have stayed East Coast. But uh, so it goes. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. Definitely. Interesting sidebar. It's really crazy. Willingboro, New Jersey, a small town right in the middle of, the, like you said, you know, bumfuck wherever. And uh, the same town growing up there for about three or four years overlapping, Bill Beretta and his brother Gene and his family were also there. We had the same family doctor. And no so when way. he did dinosaurs years later, he became my father and I became his daughters as, as Charlene Sinclair. We found out we lived in the same small town. I mean, it was just impossible. And we never ran into each other, but we might have been in the waiting room at one point or another because they were very close friends with our, my family doctor. So how about that for a small world? That is, that is a small world. And it's funny that you reminisce about it. Like you're talking about like, Hey, I grew up here. It's like, no way I grew up here. And then <laughs> you piece everything together. So when did, at what age did you know that <laughs> where your career took, like what influenced you to even pursue it? 
no, it's funny because I'm, I'm I'm opening a new chapter of being a teaching artist right now. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Uh, taking my puppeteering skills. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's something I put off. My wife's been a teacher, and my my sister in laws are teachers, and uh, I thought I had really nothing to teach. I just wanted to you know furiously do. That was kind of like my mo. Just keep moving, keep going to the next thing. But um, I got bitten by the bug. You know, it was it was the teachers. It was really the teachers and the mentors all the way through my life that gave me um oh, i guess this, you know the juice and the directional arrow to where to go you know um when I, I grew up i grew up pretty obese and so um i was pretty isolated in new jersey it was only like a couple of jewish kids and i was obese and it wasn't I, the bullying was no problem because i was pretty funny and i could get out of most situations but it was the invisibility of being you know push person looking at you and then instantly deciding who you were that kind of fueled me and it kind of, I was just, you know, you know, just, I was just storing myself for later on, hoping that I'd be able to break out of this and become, you know, what I wanted to be. So anytime there was a, uh, you know, theatrical things, certainly making my mother laugh because I grew up on Men on Mad Magazine. I grew up on Jerry Lewis. I grew yeah. up on uh, uh, Looney Tunes and everything that I grew up on, everything that was passionate to me, I ended up doing in my career. You know, I, I read Dr. Seuss books and I love them and, and all of that stuff. I ended up being the cat in the hat. Yeah. I ended up being I ended up being Daffy Duck and, and, and Bugs Bunny, you know, on screen for big stars. And, you know, and it, it's 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 surreal how my life it, it, it just kind of mirrored itself. And I ended up in places that uh, I dreamed and then uh, I manifested. And I still don't know how that happened. But I know that anybody can do it if you set your mind to something. But you know, from a, a fat kid from Jersey to all of my adventures, I couldn't be more grateful. Yeah. So what was the first step that you did to start pursuing this? Did you get like a puppet for Christmas or? You know, the craziest thing about puppets is I, it wasn't my, my calling. I mean, when the Muppets were hot, I thought they're cool and they're, and they're interesting. But what called to me in, 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 uh, in, uh, high school, believe it or not, I come home for lunch, uh, I watched Sesame Street. What Jim and Frank were doing those early days yeah. was so, it was so for adults and it was so crackling and it was so, I don't know, it had a messiness and it had a realism that I've never seen before. So the Sesame Street puppets caught my attention, but the Muppets were sort of like for everybody else. So I never really pursued puppeteering. I mean, I love peanuts and I made a uh, Snoopy puppet in third grade out of paper mache. Didn't have a mouth. But it was pretty good. I had a pretty good eye, and I and I molded it, and I was very proud of it. And I think my sister broke it or something, but <laughs> I broke her Barbie. So you know, tit for tat. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, um, what happened in in, in college? Uh, I saw an ad for uh, a puppet school, and it was a hand, and it was a picture of a, of a or a sketch of a hand, and it was Sid and Marty Croft's puppet school. Oh, those are those are the, the those are the people to go to if it's not Jim Henson. Then. Well, yeah, the, the psychedelic, what do you, what you got to be HR crazy, you know, puffing stuff, yeah. that's right. <laughs> so in college, puffing stuff did perfectly. Anyway, I said, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I love those guys. And I, and I was in a, a, a group called Hot Lava Improvisation. And then, and, you know, I, I, I was pretty pumped up and I was, I'm very physical. I love sports. Um, and I thought, okay, this looks fun. I've never done it before. I never did lip sync before. So I went in cold. And there was about five, six hundred people because this was a big deal to a lot of people that Sid and Marty Croft were rebooting and I had a whole slew of TV shows. So I go in there, you know, and, and, and they, 
it was it was a maze. It was in Sun Valley, and uh, they went. You went from station to station, and if you didn't cut it, you were shunted right out to the street. So I kept going through the maze, and I kept, you know, I guess being okayed. And I got to the point where they were puppets, but they were no faces, and they just said, "Put on this puppet and do an improv." So it's like, I just said, I, what the hell? Okay, so I I just said, you know, well, I'm going to do something. Um, I, I suddenly I went to a evangelical um, um, improv. I remember it was like, friends, please send me your face. I have no face. And I did this whole thing with the, you know, with Reverend. And they did I just launched into it. I didn't really care. And I didn't know that, that Tony Urbano, who became my mentor, and he's a master puppeteer and taught me so much. He was doing a tour with Oral Roberts because they were going to do a TV show. And they just stopped at the station just to, to, to look in. And I was doing the evangelical satire and tony just turned white he thought oh my god the contract's gonna go away oral looked at the whole thing and he started to chuckle so everything was fine and they realized either i was a, a mad genius or i should be shunted to the street but i stayed on and there was 16 people chosen and it started my pathway into puppeteering which i thought i'm an actor i'll do this on the side but it became pretty much became my life <laughs> so in between that, so looking at your IMDb, which isn't low, it's like a hundred percent, but it has your first uh, role as a TV movie, Poppies. Well, the Popples. Yeah, that was, that came up after the training, but my first true role was Jimmy Fudge of the Fudge family. And it was a beady eyed little kid. And they'd stick me in a tree and put the puppet on my hand with a, with a fishing rod. And Oral Roberts would come out of the bushes in a three piece suit. And I'd say to him things like, Mr. Roberts, why did my mother die? And he said, well, Jimmy, I'm glad you asked. And he'd go into an oration, usually around 20, 30 minutes. And this is my first job. And my hand is sticking out the tree and I'm dying. I can't keep the, the, the rod straight. I've never puppeteered before in my life. And I said, is this what it's going to be like? And frankly, yeah, <laughs> that's how it's been. It's not a, it's not a, if you like being comfortable, if you like being, you know, getting your, having your shit together, puppeteering isn't for you. Puppeteering is, is mad and it's always different and you have to always reinvent yourself and draw from what you did before and hope you can do what you're doing now. But it's been a mad, crazy journey. That was my first job. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So then, so you, the popples, I guess, was after that. Yeah, the popples was a, a a side project. I think it was uh, Greg Williams. Uh, uh, I think he headed it up with uh, um, Steve Sherman. Sherman, yeah, Steve Sherman. And uh, they had they had an operation, and they had this uh, contract for the Popples, and we had to do a rock star. And I played one of the Popples, and uh, it didn't it didn't take. I must have done a million pilots on spec, a million pilots. I mean, you have to be a hopeful person. You know, thousands of pitch meetings. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And so many of things don't, and you have to be a, an internal optimist to, to keep uh, going in show business. And as far as a puppet show, you know, selling a puppet show is hard, but maybe now with Dark Crystal and some of the, uh, the things happening, uh, hopefully green lights will happen for my friends' projects because a lot of people have wonderful ideas and puppets are a great way to tell a story, as you know. Oh, definitely. No, I, I love, I love puppets. So, uh, <laughs> so then we go fast forward again, there might be things that are in between, but uh, this movie I loved growing up, and you were the voice of Pez in Space Invader. Oh, boy. Yeah. That to, is such a cool Johnson. movie. It was really cool. I mean, Patrick, it was his, it, it was his pet project, and, 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 you know, it was such a passion thing. So picking the voices was a big deal for him. We're both Jerry Lewis fans, and he wanted something crazy. And, 
I brought that crazy energy. And he ended up directing a, a, a couple of episodes on dinosaurs as well. Oh, wow. And okay. I, think he, I think he's teaching in the East Coast now. Um, but um, that was a blast. And I, I met Joe Alasky there before he passed recently. Um, wonderful guy. And uh, I work with Kevin Thompson again uh, on Looney Tunes, too. So, uh, you know, it's a small thing. We all keep, we've always just kind of woven through, you know, you always see somebody again. So it's good to be nice to people because <laughs> you never know when you're going to see them again. I know. It's, yeah. <laughs> but doing that voiceover was great, you know, and uh, it led to other things like doing Timon and things like that. So it was, uh, it was a, a, a joy. And I, I wish I had more projects with Patrick because he was a great director. Yeah. No, that's, I just remember that movie. I was only like four at the time, but I remember... My dad had like the illegal black box and I don't even know what channel was like <laughs> HBO or Showtime or Cinemax. And I remember it would just be on all of Cause back then it's, it didn't seem like there's as many movies maybe, but they were just like, no, like absolutely all day long. All right. You're not so, then you're not so young. Okay, good. Yeah. I like the, I like the black box. It was uh, like, yeah. It, you thought the police was going to burst in your house at any moment because you had I it. Know. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like the coolest thing to have, but uh, yeah. So that same year, probably right around that time, I don't know when it filmed, but so you're a perfect strangers. Yeah, yeah, that was really that was really bizarre. Uh, my friend uh, Wayne Katz made me a, a baby puppet, and I took it to Europe because I, I juggled with my 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 friend uh, Stephen Haves uh, in the street. Uh, we were doing you know just street theater, and we were doing a uh, equity waiver show in Pigalle, which is the red light district. Oh, so wow. we're all the strippers and the, and the, and the ladies of the evening. Yeah. Uh, but we got great, great reviews, you know, and then they said, you know, he's like a, a young Jerry Lewis, which, well, in France, I guess that's it. You can't get any higher than that unless you're selling, <laughs> you know, baguettes in the street. But uh, it, it was a great experience to do that. And I had this incredibly weird puppet and uh, I went on the audition and, uh, and they chose me and the puppet. And I, and, and it's the funniest thing. I, I couldn't do my act during the show. So after hours, when, when they let the audience go, uh, they filmed my bit because it was just an insert. So I had to wait all day and I didn't have that feeling of, of the audience, but I did that little thing and uh, it was, it was pretty fast and, and, and fun, but I still get residuals to this day. That and golden girls, I get, I get $35, like I think for the rest of my life, I think it's running on a loop somewhere. There's a golden girls channel, believe it or not. Well, yeah, that is still on. I didn't, I'm sure per, well, all these channels, especially with internet channels and like on nothing goes away. It's crazy. Well, that's good for you. It is good for me. I've been really lucky because, you know, I, uh, I earned a pension from, from screen actors guild from all of these crazy jobs, all these misfires, all these movies that kind of didn't make it but now are staples in people's lives, you know? Right. And I've, it's just weird how I've interwoven with, with so many childhoods of and people who've watched some of the stuff that was deeply flawed and, and disappointing, but actually was, you know, something that was important to a lot of people. So it's just weird how you in show business can affect people and not actually know it because if you're not doing live shows, you're not sure, you know? But with all these cons and everything, it's so great people get to see their, you know, what, what made them tick and, and the people who did all this stuff and realize, did I do anything with my life? Can feel that. And no, uh, I think cool. that's a wonderful thing. Do you go to those? No, because everything I've done is just misses, you know, wanting to be, um, you know, on the docket to have people sign, you know, have a picture of me. You know, I, I've been around everything. Yeah, it's really, really weird. Uh you know, like my big biggest movie role was Mr. Tinkles when we did two movies of those of that character. Uh, but I got to do Mr. Tinkles, uh, say, for the uh, uh, press junkets. 
So I did like 80 interviews, you know, in two days. Oh, that's and awesome. the puppet was just killing. And it was just so much fun to do that because it's nothing like having, you know, that puppet there. It was very intimidating. And I, we had some really good interviews all over the place. But uh, it's funny. A lot of the stuff I've done, and it, and, it, and it comes inherent with puppet work, is you get voiced over by a celebrity. So I give a lot of, you know, really intense, wonderful energy. And a lot of times the directors go, oh, I should have had you for the voice. But, you know, show business being what it is, it's uh, you coming to see somebody's voice, which seems silly to me. But, you know, sometimes uh, it's, it's super silly. Like in Monkey Bone, uh, uh, John Turturro ended up being Monkey Bone's voice. Yeah. I never went to a cartoon show to see John Turturro. And he's brilliant. But, you know, it's not a voice you look for. And it was just the way the studios were made, you know. So, so I think because of that, maybe my voice and my characters haven't been solidified like the Muppet guys and like a lot of my friends, you know, who've done horror movies. But uh, that's okay. It's uh, I still uh, look back with joy. No, definitely. So, right around '94, is that the first time that you worked with the Muppets? Yeah, it was the end of Dinosaurs. Uh, we were finishing up, uh, and. Uh, and Brian uh, said, you know, want to come along? Um, uh, we're going to do uh, this Ed Sullivan um, retrospective special. And this was this was not long after Jim passed. And it was one of the first things the guys re, uh, you know, um, gathered for. And I, I'll never forget the experience of they got the scripts and they went into the we were in the green room or uh, and and there was a real, um, I don't know. There was still sadness. There was still a, a gloom and they started ripping the script apart and Frank and, 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 um, Jerry and, uh, you know, Dave goals and Steve and Bill and, 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 and they started making each other laugh and they started relaxing and then it got crazy. And I remember laughing until I was crying and I was there with Brian and he was only 24, 25 because he just took over the company and we were going to do some penguins and chickens and it was Christmas and we're going to do a, And so they, they, they started making the thing so funny. And I realized there was no better place in the world to be than with these geniuses. And they took themselves from the floor to the sky and i understood what muppets were all about and and i said wow i want more of that and i've been lucky on and off since that time to be working with them to this day and it's been one of the most amazing honor-filled beautiful rides uh that a, a person an artist a puppeteer could ever be on oh yeah no i love all all things muppets and my daughter I'm going to mention her a little bit later, but uh, we could jump to oh. it now. But uh, yeah, she's, how, old, how old is your daughter? She's getting nine months at, end of September. So she's oh, starting to like, really, thank you. And uh, she loves Sesame Street. She loves the Muppets. But one thing that she really loves, and we'll touch on it now, is Sid the Science Kid. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's yeah. so great. So yeah, it's funny. H- from watching, system, yeah. So from watching Muppets all my life and – knowing how they move, like the different, uh, you know, like the way Sweetums is a guy in a big suit, the way he moves. So we're watching Sid the Science Kid for the first time on like PBS Kids. And I'm like, you know what? That doesn't look like it's like some kind of just animation. Like it looks different. Then I YouTube it and it's so cool the way it's done. Yeah, that's that's, that's done a lot more. And Brian um, pioneered the HDPS system, uh, which is motion capture. Yeah. Uh, it's a real-time puppeteering 
uh, partnered with real-time mocap performers in the space, and then it's captured all in camera. And you have you can do minimal work to it, you know. It's not and it, it and it does the job of CG. It uses the CG shapes, and um, it's a, it's a wonderful way of having that that um, that feel of 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 animatronics or puppets live. So obviously they've they've taken it to the umpteen level and they've done some wonderful work with it. I, I, I had a chance to pioneer all this years ago when we first started. I did tons of demos. Oh, I actually cool. did a, a demo for uh um uh you know the Disney heads, you name it. I was, you know, we were just doing it for everybody to show the the world what you can do, what puppeteers can do live. And uh it's uh it's a really fun way of 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 uh of doing what we do and, and capturing the, the the essence and the excitement of the moment. Yeah, it's so it's so fascinating. So you did a lot of now we'll go back to the Muppets. So you did you did a lot of work with the Muppets. Is so for a lot of it says like additional uh uh Muppet performer and additional voices. What are some <laughs> of the characters that you've played over there? Well, you know, it really they really kept it to the core. Uh, you know, they haven't added a lot of characters. The only big yeah. influx was was Bill Beretta, and 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 you know, with Pepe and Bobo, and, and uh, he, you know, he just he brought he's brought such a freshness and such a, a a personal touch to the Muppets. He fit beautifully, and there really really has been no other you know additions except Peter Lynn's, you know, by doing Walter. And there was an audition for for Walter. I got to audition for that, you know. But uh, it was meant to be Peters, and he's a perfect fit, you know, with 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 the ensemble. But there's been other smaller characters, um, you know. I got to do uh, Mo Frackle. It was a, it was it, that he came about for uh, um, when we did uh, the game show, which was Family Feud oh, against awesome. the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, we did we did the real thing. We were under the table, and, and Louis Louis uh, Anderson was the host back then. And the Dixie Chicks kicked kicked their ass. <laughs> we couldn't get. It was if you ever watched the whole thing, it's the funniest thing because we got to the end, and then Bill usually had like the key answer, and then he went off. He just went. He just couldn't think of something, and we were like lunatics until we won the last game. So I don't know if we made any money for charity. We felt like we felt like crap, but we were doing it live. And then uh, I was a frackle, and I had to pick a name, so I became Mo Frackle, and I made a backstory on the fly. And that was a character I got to do. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Tons of chickens and tons of uh, of, of uh, penguins. Uh, I've been in every character, you know, because I have to be second for the guys, and you 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 um, you you mirror their energies, and they oh, sweet. Uh, they're lo- loop it or when they and then in the reverse because like you know they, they do multiple characters, and uh, you got to keep the scenes going. And that's that's been an honor and a privilege, but mostly it's right handing for you know I came a professional right hand for the Muppets, and uh, it's been great. And when I had a chance to do other characters, I uh, was like Lindy and uh, Things That Go and uh, Muppets on Wheels. Oh, get the, if you could find those for your da- your daughter, right? Yeah, yeah, she would love those. It's what are they Kermit called? And if, th- uh, Things That Go. So it's 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 uh, th- um, uh, th- things on wheel Muppets on Wheels and and uh, yeah. Things that go is is the name of it, and hopefully they'll release it on DVD. It was it was really fun to do. We ran around all all over the place. Uh, oh, we, I was on a roller coaster. They put a fake arm on me. I went to up here in Magic Mountain. It was called the uh, the Goliath. I think it's gone now. 
but they put a monitor in the roller coaster. I had my puppet next to me in the first car and a monitor down there. And I went on the roller coaster, I think eight times and it was about 90 degrees and I lost it. (laughs) I can tell everybody out there, don't watch TV on a roller coaster ever. It's just not a thing to do. I I got seasick. My, my whole brain was, it was, was, I, I was done for the day, but I did, I did eight takes, which I was really proud of. I think, I think I found it. It's on YouTube. I found it. Perfect. So Billy took a, <laughs> he took a pig puppet and he went in one of those stunt planes and they took a lipstick camera and they mounted it and they started rolling. I don't know how he didn't lose it, but he was puppeteering in midair while he was doing flips. So we did everything, hot air balloons, trucks, everything. So that was a blast. And that was on one of the side projects. That's cool. uh, and then I'll, we did, we'll watch that tomorrow when I have it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had, we did a sweet little thing on the lot at Disney called Disney drive on. And I did a whole bunch of characters. It did a writer who was a monkey and an agent. Uh, uh, I, I did, uh, what, the, the, the 11th or 12th old man of Disney. They went into the vaults downstairs and, and Walter met the, the, you know, the, the last surviving uh, artist that, you know, Walt kept down there for I don't know why. <laughs> Probably because he was cheap labor. But, uh, you know, that was fun. So I got to, you know, explore and I, and I met some of the great Disney icons during that thing as well. And uh, the, the celebrities and everything that's interwoven and the places that I've gone with these puppets have blown my mind. It's been an absolute world adventure. Yeah, even the people uh, like the Muppets and Sesame Street have always had guest stars. But even the mm-hmm. ones that me, me and my daughter watch sometimes during the day, like the people they have on there, it's like, oh my God, like they have so many people that just like want to – you know, pop in. I'm sure they reach out to some people, but I could see it being the opposite. You know, you grow up on this. It's kind of a big deal for some people to be on it. Oh, it sure is. I mean, my kids grew up on all these sets. I have a picture. I was just looking back. Frank was doing uh, Fozzie for my son. And, oh, cool. you know, it, everything just melted away. And, I, and, and who, who has that opportunity, you know? And uh, I remember one day on, on um, Dinosaurs, my, my daughter was very fussy. And, and Kevin Clash said, here, let me hold her. And he put her on his shoulder and he started singing his Elmo. And she, her eyes opened up and then they closed and she fell asleep on, her, on his shoulder. I mean, how magical is that? That is, that's amazing. The only thing we get is like Sesame Place out in Pennsylvania. But that's pretty nothing. great though. Yeah, no, no, it is pretty cool. <laughs> I can't wait to see her there. I'm pretty excited for that. So oh, how fun. One thing that was a really good show a few years ago on ABC, and it's, it stinks that it didn't last long, but the Muppets on ABC, was that was a pretty cool show because it was like more kind of yeah. like what you mentioned before. It was like cater for that adult humor, and you have like the puppets, so it was pretty cool. It was cool, and we had the best crew, and we, we had it all worked out, and it was just finding its legs. Uh, but, you know, it was that adult element yeah, you, you love the Muppets and you love the Muppets for a reason because they are who they are and they have a certain rhythm and they have a certain, you know, buoyancy. And when you overlay things like, you know, the angst of the office and you overlay things like relationships or adult relationships, it kind of freaked people out and threw them a little bit because it wasn't the Muppets that the parents remembered that they sat down with their family and watched the original show. Everybody's hoping for that feeling of, you can watch this with everybody. And it just missed making just enough people to keep the show going. I think if it had an, a, a couple more shows or even that second season opportunity, we would have found our legs. But 
things move fast, especially at ABC, and they had another regime change. And because of all of the politics, it just sunk it. And, and it's a shame because we were doing, you know, three camera shows. And when the camera's firing on all angles, you have to have your stuff together. There was a race set, and we had the perfect setup. I mean, Bill Beretta made it so, you know, everything was puppet friendly. But it was just the content and who was in charge of the, of the funny. Uh, it was just, it didn't have enough time to settle. But, you know, I think there'll be another show in the future, frankly. I really think so. And and, and it's predicated on the fact of, of the Hollywood Bowl shows. We did the Hollywood Bowl and then we did the O2. And when we did the original Muppet show, I'll never forget, you know, standing there with the Swedish chef and there's Paul Williams next to me. And we're all singing Rainbow Connection. And the faces were just, everybody was like, it was, it was like, I don't know. It was religious in the way where you feel good and cleansed and you feel hopeful and you feel unified. And, I, and my family was saying, little kids were looking at their parents saying, I see why you love this because this is great. And all of a sudden it all melted away because they were doing what they're supposed to do, which is entertain and be themselves. And I hope that's what it distills down to. And um, the world deserves it. And it's getting more and more complicated. So I hope your daughter has a Muppet show to grow up to. The Muppet Babies is lovely. I auditioned for that. I almost got Gonzo. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it, there's something special about the Muppets and, and those characters that, that need to have its place in all these streamers. And I do hope they find a show that lasts for a very long time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is there a Muppet voice? So obviously you can do a Gonzo impression. Is there a favorite Muppet <laughs> voice that you like, or like, I nail that? Well, you know, it's, it's really not, it's not cool to do somebody else's voices. That is true. Even though yeah. some of the guys are doing somebody else's voices. It's kind of a, it's an honor thing, you know? Yeah. Of course we can all imitate each other. Of course, you know, we have range and stuff and there's been auditions for characters uh, here and there. But um, when you get to like take pictures with people and you're in, I'm not saying I'm an animal. I mean, you got to do a little bit, you know, oh, yeah. there, not to be recorded, of course. And, and yeah, but, yeah. But, but we all have it in us. I'm sure you have a character you do killer and you're going to do for your daughter when you read stories and things like that, which is like a joy of joy. And, and that's what's great about the characters is they're so easy to do, you know, uh, but then their characters are not so easy. I mean, Piggy's not so easy. Some people can nail it. It seems like everybody could do a Kermit, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Kermit, I could do co- I do Cookie Monster. And it's funny, my, la- my wife laughs so hard because how bad it really is. <laughs> but my daughter, her eyes just light up. She loves Cookie Monster and she loves Grover. Oh, She's a huge Grover fan. Well, uh, so am I, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, it, who's better than Grover? He's the most human being, human being there ever walked the earth. I mean, it, you just, you have to love Grover. Yeah. He acts you like know? an old and man. I, like in one of the episodes we watched a few weeks ago, he didn't want to say how old he was and he was acting like, <laughs> like ancient. And you're like, aren't they kind of all around the same? Like, you don't know how old they are. You know, Elmo's young and some of them are younger, yeah. but it's like so funny. It is. Yeah. And, and, and 
you know, the, the memory and the history they all have now, you know, that's uh, that it, it's it's so important. And it's funny when the, when the celebrities see the characters again, because they've been playing them so long, most of the guys, there's this revisiting, there's this, this reality. The Muppets live in real time. So, the, you know, when, when other artists come in and say, I'm going to rewrite Muppet history, I, th- I see the Muppets this way. The guys say, no, we're, we're here. We're living it. Oh, yeah. uh, we, need to, we need to be now because just like, you know, you, we, we want to we we, we breathe and eat and, 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 and be in real time with you guys. It's not, it's not a memorabilia thing. It's not a thing of the past. They don't just live. Uh, you know, in the 70s and 80s, uh, they do, of course, in reruns and in the movies, but they're really here. And and you need to touch on that. You don't have to be political at all, but you do need to have know, know that what's going on. You know, and they, they, there's, they're, they're doing devices now and then all of these things. And uh, sometimes they're at the forefront of that. Uh, the Muppets are a great, just an overlay of, of human beingness <laughs> and, and inclusion. And then... Uh, that couldn't be more pertinent than, than and, 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 you know, and they should have a place and they should be uh, for your daughter and for daughters to come and, and sons. Yeah. And you know, what? I saw the other day that it was somewhere on some website. I don't know if it wasn't the Hollywood reporter, but they were talking about that, that on Disney plus they were thinking about doing a Muppet series. Yeah. 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 They did. Uh, they did some mini series and they did some old fashioned vaudeville, wonderful stuff. Oh, okay. And that's what's gonna that's what's gonna be streaming, and it's gonna be of joy. I I I, I promise you, your daughter's gonna light up and, and love the shows. Sweet, is that what you and Peter were just doing? The, the, this 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 happened uh, uh, a month ago, but a couple weeks ago, uh, we did uh, a national spot for um, um, a, a, a big uh, tech company, and, and you'll see the, the results of that coming in this fall. That oh, was sweet. also fun. Yeah, so you know the Muppets. Um, are valuable, but it, it, knowing what to do with them is tricky because you have to know and love who they are. And most everybody who wants to work with them does, but the modern world and what it was is just a tricky thing. But look, they brought back Dark Crystal and it's gorgeous. And it was one of Jim's experiments that at the time was not a success. It wasn't embraced. It wasn't understood. It seems like everything Jim did is now it it works perfectly now yeah Uh, he was so ahead of himself you know him and walt disney were they're so ahead of the curve that even though their visions were extraordinary for the mainstream people couldn't catch up or or they weren't there yet uh it was for generations to come so it's funny that what makes something last a long time you know what what makes something that has to be passed on to children um, usually comes from love, and that's what kept it's, it's kept the Muppets alive. But when you love something like that, you you want to share it, you want to see it again, and 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 you you, you want to revisit that feeling. So I, I, they're not done, and I think um, the best, well, a lot of good things is yet to come. So I, I'm I'm super hopeful. So are the guys, and it's a it's a it's an exciting time, and we'll see what happens. There's certainly plenty of room on all these streamers and stuff oh, for, yeah. for content. My God, so bring it on i think yeah and you, you said it best about jim like everything he did i interviewed so we've talked about a bunch of movies and we've interviewed a bunch of people so far and one guy I interviewed he was like a special effects guy in the 80s and he did some puppetry work he worked on like howard the duck and he actually worked on <laughs> he worked on teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 
And the first two, Jim worked on. So it was Jim Henson Studios. But for the third one, they wanted to like cut corners. So they tried to do it themselves. So even he kind of complained about it because he even said like, nobody can do it the way they did. So if you watch the first two, you see the way Splinter looks. In the third one, it looks like it was something that could be in, in a mall. Like in like exactly. Spencer gifts that you could buy for a couple hundred bucks. It looked that yeah. bad. <laughs> Spencer gifts. You, oh, you are aging yourself. I love Spencer gifts. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so true. I mean, uh, um, we, I did uh, Pinocchio and that, that puppet was gorgeous, you know, and the movie misfired a little bit. It was a beautiful puppet and a beautiful thing. We went to Prague for 16 weeks and oh, shot wow. and it was a, it was amazing and hard and all those things, you know, and you do something like that. And then uh, when, when, you know, when the financials are calling and there's money to be made, you know, something doesn't need to be revived two, three times, but it's a no brainer and and you might as well do it. But cutting corners with puppets, preparation is so crucial. The puppet making, the, 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 the people involved, the puppeteers, the crew, everything it's crafted and it's so delicately balanced that works and doesn't work. And you, and you feel it and see it, you know, it's, it's, and the public knows, but sometimes the business doesn't. And they think they won't care. It doesn't matter. I just have to make this much money, but it, you know, when it, and it hurts the memory of the product and and the characters that are so alive in people's minds, I, I tend to get, you know, frightened about sequels. You know, some can be great. Oh, I know. Sometimes, you know, you just have to, you have to know what you're dealing with and you, and you have to deal with, with care and love, uh, not just rushing to get something to market in order to make uh, some sort of amount of money. You know, some things need a little bit more thought and a little bit more craftsmanship. And I hope that the bar of puppeteering remains high. You know, I, everybody should learn how to do it if they love it, but they should apprentice and they should learn from people who have done it before. Uh, of course you could teach yourself and I hope everybody keeps making puppets and, 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 and will it's aspire. And that's where the next Jim Henson may come from. It could be anybody. And, uh, it takes a lot of, uh, oh, just a, a lot of commitment and a lot of, a lot of heart. And, uh, it's not for everyone, but, uh, those who it is for, um, you know, I'm so happy that there's a, a venue and a way for everybody to put their art and their selves out there. And so more the merrier, I think. Yeah. I think you said it best when it comes to sequel. That's why I started this project with my buddy, Jamie, that reached out to you was growing up for some reason, my dad was a garbage man. So it was like the perfect New Jersey family. No my, mom, my mom was a waitress. And uh, so growing wow. up for some reason, like in the trash, people would throw stuff out that was perfectly fine. Instead of like having a garage sale or going to the, you know, the, or selling to somebody. So I remember we wow. had a lot, of, a lot of movie sequels that we used to have on VHS. And yeah. that's why I kind of started this. And it's funny. So a few weeks ago, uh, I chatted with William Sadler, who I don't know if you know who he is, but he was in like Bill and Ted. He played death. He was in Shawshank. He was in sure. Die Hard 2. So we, we started talking about sequels and he like pondered it. And it was kind of like what you said. He was like, they're real tough. He goes, when I went into doing Die Hard 2, he was like, I love the first one. So he's like, I got to make sure it's better because if not, and then we just talked about like different kind of sequels because you're right. Like next week, the movie that we're covering next week is Roadhouse 2. Now, did you know that there was oh. Roadhouse 2? 
I heard rumors of okay. it, and you know, I keep I keep stumbling <laughs> on it, and I go, I love this. I love what's going to happen. You know, it reminds me. I don't know if you remember Billy Jack and his movies. Oh no! And, and he he was this vigilante, and it was it, it had a B movie feel, but you know. They those those just resonated in me because he was standing alone against villains. He was standing up, you know, to bullies, and it was that kind of like character that that just crystallizes for me and, and a lot of people. So Roadhouse too. Well, who's the lead? I mean, it's got, I mean Swayze was perfect. I don't know how they're gonna. You know, well, it was. Who do you wanna... <laughs> well, this is gonna come out after that, so this could be like this is a spoiler, but it's this actor that was married to Christina Applegate, Jonathan. Uh, Shrek or Shrek, but anyway, so he wrote, he wrote and directed it. But this is even better. He did this movie, and he did Eight Millimeter Two, which is like a Nicolas Cage movie sequel. So he did two sequels to movies. They were like straight to you know back then it was VHS. Straight, so, yeah, right, straight wrote, to video. Yeah. But yeah, so, something uh, should be straight to video. Sometimes yeah. it's just it's everything straight to everything we we watch, and it's like. Could you give me like a disclaimer before you tell me that? You know, I like the fact that they were B movies. You know, we go. I know what I'm getting myself into. You know, and uh, and there's and there's an art form to B movies. I love great B movies. Oh yeah. You know, there's a, there's a there's a it's just you know it's it's just it's there's a, a um I don't know a farce about it and there's a, a winking at the camera type of thing. I love that. You know, when people can master that, I'm in. I can watch that all day. No, you hit it right. And then just like, here's one sequel I just thought on the top of my head, but like Death Wish, the first Death Wish, he's avenging his family, what happened to his daughter yeah. and his wife. And then in the third one, he's taking on an entire street gang that looks like the Warriors with like his ex. <laughs> so it's like funny the way they, and these movies get made. There was actually a fifth Death Wish. But anyway, his, but no, that's good it's to get the sequel thing because I like getting the like people's mindset on that. So, uh, so just a few more questions. Thanks so much for taking the time. Sure. Let's, no talk, let's talk some dinosaurs. So obviously there was dinosaurs that you were in, which is another show. Obviously while you're doing it, you, you're, you're reading the script and knowing what's going on. But when you go back oh. and watch that now, talk about how adult that was. It was, it, it was, I know I just got, I had to get together with a lot of the guys recently. Oh, we cool. just were, rep, we were reminiscing. It's so crazy. And, and we, it was, we were all aware. I mean, I was, uh, I was 30 and I hope by 30, I said, I hope I have a parking space somewhere. I hope I have a TV series and I hope I have a, you know, I, I start starting my family. You know, that was my, my life plan and I hit it. It all happened bang right right at the same time oh, wow. we were aware how how a peak experience this was and it's funny because peak experiences are, are different for different people um you know for for dave goals and steve whitmire you know fraggle rock was their peak experience oh yeah when they got to really stretch themselves as puppeteers and actors jim gave them you know just free reign to you know just explore and that was an amazing um, bonding experience and it, it, it encompasses the entire crew and, and, and everything uh, about the experience. All the writers from Dinosaurs went on to be all the showrunners for all the series you've ever watched since. We, would, we, we were so enamored with, with you know, the writing and the arcing of, 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 of what we were going to do. But we always would stop when The Simpsons were on. It was only like third season and watch their genius happen 
because they were kind of we were trying to emulate what they were doing in animation by by you know satirizing everything and we lampooned and had a chance to do five seasons two and a half years being in your favorite job in the world i was just talking to my wife i realized that when we had uh my son um we i i, I took two days off because i couldn't miss any work because I w- it was so crucial. All the energy was needed. And I went right back. <laughs> One other place would you do that? You know, leave your newborn. You know, of course, I didn't leave my newborn <laughs> on the streets. I left it with my wife and, <laughs> and the grandparents. Everything was fine. I'm not that kind of person. I wouldn't leave my child. But, you know, I got I had to get back to work because I I loved it so much. And it was uh, it was the most immersive. Everything I had as, as an actor, as a person, we even had a softball team. We played, we always got beaten by coach and uh, what else? Uh, uh, some other, you know, crime show. But, you know, because they had these big, huge guys, these grips. So they had a lot of ringers. We only had a couple of them, but mostly I, I was the pitcher for some reason. So it was high arc. And, uh, but it was, I mean, it, everything about it. And I did about 60 voices on the show. So I went to ADR and then I went back to the stage. And what voices did you do on the show? Oh, just, yeah, it, 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 it was a lot of hand puppets. So, you know, every episode, I think I had a voice because, you know, we were we had we populated the show with a lot of dinosaurs and more and more were built by the creature shop because there was a creature shop located uh, at, at CBS MTM. So whatever the script was, we, we would build something else when Earl became Pearl. So, you know, the secondary head became Pearl and she visited things like that. Uh, but mostly I was, I was Charlene and I was a unisaur. So my unisaur voices, um, Ed was my unisaur. Uh, I got to do a lot of the voices of the characters I played. So it was just, it was so great. And for a while I was in, I was in the suit. I was in one of the, the, pur- the purple unisaur and in people magazine, I got a, a, I'll send it to you the picture. There's me and Brian in a, in, in a, in a two page spread oh, where Brian's awesome. looking at me and I'm in, I'm in the unisaur and, uh, uh, and there was actually a shot of me in the unisaur suit. And I was puppeteering on the rig because I had to do double duty. So I was, I was a pig and slop. I mean, I was the happiest person I could ever be because I was being utilized voice and body. And, 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 and I found that I still have the greatest friends from there. It was the beginning of the most magical giant, you know, ride I've ever been on. Couldn't be more grateful. And I, I even bought a house from it because the show got syndicated. Oh, that's awesome. So here's two, two, two points to what you said. One, so you said when you played coach, it was like all the grip. You weren't like striking out Craig T. Nelson, right? <laughs> I don't think Craig was there, but um, <laughs> um, what's his name? The big blonde guy. I forgot his name. Uh, oh, uh, of course, it's SpongeBob, right? He was, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's SpongeBob's uh, sidekick. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, Patrick. Uh, oh, really? Patrick, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he played. That was fun. Uh, I think Law, oh, and Law and Order. That was the other show. Yeah, Law they, they kicked our, uh, killed us in the playoffs. We made the playoffs two years, but we got we got booted. We we didn't have the firepower. <laughs> we were just we were just little scrawny puppeteers, you know. Yeah, scrappy. <laughs> going back to what we talked about earlier, I'm surprised. I'm sure with these comic cons, if you look at some of the people that go to them and like these specific older movies, like. Some of these horror ones, I'm sure. I'm surprised that dinosaurs, like meeting the people in the suits. I think that show could be like, especially with all the re- reboots today. I think that show could work today. It was so cool. It was so different. 
Well, I don't know if you know this, but we were we were between seasons last two seasons. We were going to do six weeks off and do a feature. Everything was planned, and we were going to kill it because we were we were so finely tuned. You know, Misha Sisti and I, who was uh, um, Michelangelo in in the uh, in the uh, Turtles, as you know, he was in Cheraline, and we could do a show in four days oh, because no Misha was so good. And we saved Disney, like I think, two hundred. $300,000 by not doing that fifth day. And so we did a couple of those shows last season to make the last season work and, and to make the budget. But we had a six week movie and it was going to be like, they got, again, they got thought out and then they went to a mall. We were going to be with people. I mean, the whole thing was going to be so cool, but I don't think uh, Brian was going to direct it, but there was, um, I don't know, something, somebody wasn't confident with that or something, something happened where they just couldn't work out the details and we missed our opportunity. So there would be a dinosaurs movie floating around that would be like no other movie ever, but we didn't get to do it and we were heartbroken. So I don't know if they could reinvent the show. They could probably do it with CG, but man, those suits walking around, you never saw anything like that in your life. People came to the set, never forgot it. Oh, it was amazing. Just amazing. (laughs) Was that done in front of a live studio audience? No, we had, we had uh-huh. guests, but because you know, the whole stage was taken up. Oh, and for yeah. the first year, we, we fogged up the stage. Could you imagine being in Earl, and then the air you breathe is full of smoke? So <laughs> we tried to kill everyone. <laughs> and we, uh, you know, some people have you know, lost years of their lives being in those suits, you know. Bill, I, I just don't know how. And, and also, he, he smoked, and I, I don't know how he did all those things. But Bill's <laughs> sort of a superhero. They all were. They were just amazing actors who could, you know, when the mouth is opening and closing, just know where to go and, and how to do prop work and, and do it, you know, with one or two takes because that's all you got. So it was an extraordinary experience and really was never replicated. We did some animatronics later on, but CG came flying in. And in, you know, in that 10 year period, you know, we did some, sh- we did movies, but it was replaced. But now it looks like with star Wars and stuff, it's, it's sort of coming back. And that just warms my heart because Yoda's got to be seen, you know, oh, yeah. CG Yoda didn't work for me. Oh I know, my God. Flips and yeah, it's just to, yeah. Yeah, the, the the weight and the reality and, and the reactability. Yeah, definitely. And then, so you mentioned that there was going to be a movie, which is like fascinating. I'm sure not a lot of people know that. And then right around that, like right after you did Dinosaurs or probably right towards the end, uh, so you were Theodore Rex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We came off of that and thought, oh, you know, let's uh, let's do this. And, uh, and John Criswell created uh, the Teddy Rex. <laughs> Oh boy, here's the beginning of that movie. So, you know, we get to set and for some reason this everything's going wrong. But because of all that happened with the movie, I don't know if you know the history of it. Oh, I do, yeah. You can't if, if don't ask Whoopi Goldberg about it ever because I know it's crazy. It, oh god, yeah, it came out of a lawsuit. She just you no, know, she just got, got her Oscar and she said yes to this movie and and for some reason they wrangled her and sued her to make the movie. So she came in pretty angry and I probably would have been too. And so she didn't want any shenanigans. It turns out our dinosaur just wasn't working on the, on the first day of shooting. All I had was an eyebrow. So <laughs> the producer just goes, I said, it's just not working. Maybe we have to call it a night. She says, no, you have to keep shooting. If we don't shoot tonight, the whole thing will implode and the entire movie will, will be shut down. So keep going. 
So I'm just, I'm wiggling an eyebrow for all I'm worth thinking, <laughs> oh my God, this is the end of my career. And Whoopi looks right at camera and she said, is this, you know, beep, beep thing going to work? And she's just yelling at me. And I said, I, I, I didn't know what to say because I, I just did uh, nothing I could do. And I had a little, you know, tiny dressing room, this, you know, this stinky little dressing room. And I just curled up <laughs> in a fetal ball saying, well, that's my career. That's my first and last feature film. But it turns out Whoopi kind of things started working better and she's, she made the best of it. And she was one of the most, uh, y- 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 as you probably feel from her work and who she is, the most amazing, uplifting people you've ever met in your life. She just, she took us all in and made this a great experience. She was, she was so loving and kind and, and made the best of it. And it, it, it is so hard to watch that movie. It is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know. And I was writing scripts with, with Jonathan, the director. And uh, I mean, it just, it was, it was absurd. We started with a month of nights. And if you ever work nights, you sh- you know you shift your whole body. It's the worst. And we went to Griffith Park here in L.A. and it was freezing for some reason. So it was like in the forties, and we're shivering and it's and it's foggy and it's nighttime, and we're trying to make this dinosaur work. And Pons Mars and the dinosaur, he had to lean over like you know ninety degrees because the thing was hanging on his head because of 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 the design of the character. And I don't know how his back didn't break, but we you know we made this thing and everybody you know was on it for the big shots and. It was madness, and it wasn't the end. And uh, I, I got to work with Whoopi a couple more times, and so oh, really? yeah, it's been a, it's been a real blessing to have her weave through. She was she played God in um, Monkey Bone. Uh, she did a Muppet uh, Muppets Tonight, if you remember. Uh, she she did a guest star role, and she was so sweet to me. I wasn't allowed at the reading, and it was a little political. And she said Bruce, and she gave me a big hug in front of Frank Oz, and Frank's mouth just dropped open because how do you know Whoopi? I said she was my she you know we're co-stars. That's how I know Whoopi. <laughs> Yo, Theodore Rex, that Oscars not the movie. We did a buddy movie together. I mean, I was, you know, when you get to do stuff like that, that's what puppeteering has allowed me to do as an actor. I never would have had a career like this. I remember sitting uh it was it was uh, Jack Frost, and I was sitting with Michael Keaton and the director after hours, uh near the end of the filming, and and was and 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 Troy said how do we end this movie? So the three of us are just pondering how to end the movie. And I'm just looking, I'm just thinking, oh my God, how did I get here? How did I get to this moment? I mean, it's impossible, but because I'm portraying the character and because I'm, I, I, I found myself in, in roles and places that I really could not have dreamed of. It's just absolutely crazy. So one of the things with that movie, I know I've read some behind the scenes stuff on that. So it's originally going to be, were you already on the project when it was going to be like for George Clooney? Oh yeah. Cause of all the changes. Uh, no, you know, and also I think it was, was it Sam Mendes uh, was going to be our, our director. We, we, it, a lot of things changed uh, on that movie. That was a weird thing, but I, I think it was rumored, but we didn't know. And I think, I think it, it ended up with Michael. But uh, yeah, a lot of a, a, a lot of things are crazy. We didn't have the creature shop didn't secure the movie until oh, okay. we took a mock head of, of of Frost and we put it on a stick and we took it into the executive lounge and I started singing Christmas carols and I had my back to them and I was just I was just riffing I was just flying the head was just beautiful and it was moving well and it just kind of it just 
it closed the move, it closed the deal for us. And so Chris DeFaria, who was the vice president of, of, uh, of uh, Warner's at that time, um, really liked what we were doing. And he was, he was our, our proponent. He, he was our proponent uh, during um, um, cats and dogs and uh, a lot of other things. So uh, he knew that we could deliver and do the job, but you know, making a movie, it is so many compromises. It's so hard. There's so many things that can go wrong. And originally it could have been maybe something else, but it, it became what it was. And, uh, uh, it still was an absolute blast and a, and a crazy journey to be a part of it. Yeah. And you got to hang out with Michael Keaton. I'm not saying George Clooney is not a nice guy, but Michael Keaton just seems like that guy you could like have a beer with. And he just seems like such a great guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's an amazing talent, but it's funny that he had his stuff to do in the, in the, in the beginning and then he left the middle to us. He didn't, he, you know, he, he did his, he, he laid down his tracks and then I had to program his, his voice into the puppet. And so I had to do that in the night times and then work in the daytimes filming. So when we were shooting out the Spruce Goose Dome, uh, I was staying on the Queen Mary, which is a hotel. And I had the two heads in my hotel room and I was, I was programming their, you know, their voices at night and then going to the set in the day. I did a month of that. <laughs> so it's just, you know, there's so much work that goes into what we do and, and you have to be willing to just throw yourself into it because it's worth it. You, you know, it's like movies are forever. You want to do your very best and you can't control the outcome, but you, when you have the ball, you know, you just got to do what you can with it. And uh, I just loved every minute of it. No, it definitely sounds like when you had the ball, you scored. When you look at your career and all this well, stuff. Well, at least I shot a lot. I'm more like Kobe. I'll put the debit. You know, I don't know if I'll be a Hall of Famer, but at least I'm in a helmet. At least have a shot at the rim. <laughs> I'm fine at passing the ball, but if I if I have to score, I'll score. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so this has been so awesome. And I know I just have to mention it because I know you mentioned a little bit before because you grew up loving the Looney Tunes and you, and you were yeah. Looney Tunes back in action. And it's so cool. I don't know if you put that on YouTube or someone else, that puppet reel, just seeing the way that was working with you and Jenna Elfman and Brendan Fraser, the way it was shot is so neat. So much fun. So much fun. You know, uh, Dave Barkley made uh, uh, rubber uh, uh, maquettes. And so, uh, you know, I got the, you know, for the first days at Warner brothers, I had the, the Daffy maquette and, and I thought, I'm going to run around. Brendan was shooting some, you know, B-roll with his camera. We were, we were futzing around. And I saw like some, you know, tour vans. And so I, I took the pup and I hid in the bushes. And then as the, as the vans coming around the corner, you know, there's these, these little carts and stuff. I smashed Daffy against the glass, you know, <laughs> and I was just, I, you know, Daffy was alive and he was running around the Warner Brothers lot like he was supposed to. And it was just, it was surreal being, you know, just embodying those characters, you know, and, and they did throw me uh Pepe Le Pew because I, I nailed the voice on the set. I never could do it back in the studio, but at that moment when Brendan comes up and I, ah, this ring, is it not? I just, it just came out of me, you know, out of sense memory of loving them as kids. That's and so, so I, I got to do the voice. So yeah, great to be a part of, of the history of, of the things we loved, you know, to be in the tapestry. And it doesn't matter if I was, you know, lauded or, or anything. I'm a part of it, you know, being a part of something, uh, you know, of, of, of the history of, of what we love, just what we love, especially as kids. 
there's nothing like it. There's nothing like uh, feeling a, a, that sense of belonging. Everybody should have that feeling of being a part of things that they love, you know, and, and, and that's, that's why I'm, I'm going and I'm, that's why I want to teach. And I want to tell the young people who think they have no chance from where they are. They have every chance in the world. You know, you may not become president and, you know, that's not such a bad thing, uh, <laughs> but you can, you can touch people's hearts. And that's so important. Your daughter and all the things you've gotten to do together and, and, you know, you telling her stories, uh, that's what my kids remember the most, you know, and I ended up, you know, doing stories at their schools. And I, I, that, if you have that joy in you and you could see them light up and you love doing it, you know, that's, that's being a part of the story. And, and, and no matter where you are in the story and what size of character, it doesn't matter. Being a part of the story and passing it on is what life's all about. And I'm happy that you are teaching because your story is definitely one to tell. And you know what? I'll be telling my daughter is old enough to understand. I'll be telling her a story. I'll be showing her clips of you and uh, definitely playing this for her. Cause that's you've, been, so cool. you've been so awesome. Oh, my pleasure. And I hope there's a set to come to in LA if you're ever, you know, there and if there's a Muppet oh, thing definitely. going on that you guys can visit, then that would be an absolute. Uh, yeah. Joy. We have family out there. We lived in uh, Portland, Oregon for a few years. So oh, our wow. out there, we had two, uh, two puppies at the time. Now they're like big lab pit bull mixes, but we took them across the country and I forgot what County he lives right outside of LA, her, my wife's uncle, but uh, we took the dogs and their puppies and they got to stand on the Lassie Hollywood star. Hollywood oh. <laughs> Do you know, I work with Lassie. It's the last story I did. Really? I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I did the new Lassie and I was like, Oh, the talking a, a, a baseball mitt or something crazy. They put me in a bed and they, and then they, they, you know, they, they drilled me in and they forgot me and they didn't, uh, <laughs> they all went to lunch, but I, I, I did a, a Lassie and, and uh, I remember Lassie just being whipped. It was, uh, it was like fifth generation trainer and the dog just seemed just not really into it. And it made me Ugh. sad because I loved Lassie. Nothing made me cry more when Lassie was hurt. There was nothing worse than Lassie getting hurt. Yeah. But, uh, but isn't that strange? I mean, another thing that as a kid I watched and then I, I lived it. Yeah. So, you know, tell your daughter, you know, whatever she sees, it may just come true. <laughs> so be careful what you show her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Daddy, I'm scared. <laughs> I know. Now, now I have to worry, but uh, thanks, Bruce. It's been great. Oh, my pleasure, man. I, awesome. I you know, wish you the best. So great you're doing this. And um, oh, it's been so much fun. And this is like a dream come true because I love just the whole idea of just being able to tell a story and not have to be like people, you know, because. It's a great way to tell stories. It is. And make, make puppets with your daughter, you know, and, yeah. and put on shows. Because who knows what's inside of her and she'll be able to just express herself freely and what a ball you'll have. So Yeah. If I'm out in LA, I'm going to hit you up. Whoa, please. That would be wonderful. Awesome. And then I'll send this to you down the road when it won't be too long because uh, I definitely want people to listen to this one because this is so great. Cool. Anytime. I got plenty more stories. Thanks, All right. Man. Thanks, Bruce. Have a great night. Uh, take care. Bye-bye. Bruce was the man. I'll definitely have him back again in the future to chat more about the stuff we didn't get to or just ask some questions about the stuff we did chat about, other things I think of when I go and rewatch everything. But yeah, so I put his IMDb in the notes so you could check out all his work. So now your homework for next week is to go watch Looney Tunes Back in Action, which was a follow-up film to Space Jam. 
This movie has Jenna Elfman, Brendan Fraser, Steve Martin, plus a ton of other people. And then there's that video when I was chatting with Bruce that I mentioned. It's behind the scenes of him using that Daffy Duck bill. It's really cool. So I'll make sure to put it on his interview page. And that's at sequelsonly.com forward slash Bruce Lenoil, L-A-N-O-I-L. And be sure to follow us on all social media at sequelsonly and our new website, sequelsonly.com. Good night. Good night.